Hi everyone, I'm Mamsa. And I'm Portia. Welcome to Assume It Will Be Brilliant, a Shondaland Stand podcast. Hey, Mamsi, how are you doing today? Hi, Portia. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I mean, stuck in another lockdown. It's actually... It's oh it's a bit scary, so it's it feels like day one again. Yeah. Um, but oh, but worse because day one of our lockdown in March wasn't anything like this. We we didn't have the cases we have now mm. at all. It was it was it's actually incomparable. So oh. it's it's a lot scarier in that people are a lot lax because it's been over a year, but mm-hmm. it's a lot more dangerous. So right. I'm just oh, holding on. Please, How are you? Please be careful. <laughs> I mean, uh, talk about uh, stark uh, privilege comparison because, like, things are just easing up here in Canada. Like, people yeah. are waiting for their second doses. People are out. And also, it's summer, so it's a bit different right now. But, yeah. so, and outside is <laughs> habitable in the winter. It's a bit hot. <laughs> so, like, you know, people, it really feels like things are getting back to kind of like the before times. I mean, obviously masks indoors and stuff like that at establishments is still a thing. And while right. restaurants are open, they've got like new capacity limits and things like that. So we've kept this sort of like how to engage in public social distance uh, masks on, as in engage with strangers in public, right? Right. I guess yeah. until you have herd immunity? I guess, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Until they, they're like, okay, it's safe enough now. But I, I okay. honestly, I can't even imagine it. <laughs> I how do you say? I just I'm finding that I'm having to really socialize myself. You know, I'm a bit trepidatious about being yeah, large, actually, maskless. Like now, it feels scary to me. Right. I heard about this. I think there was an article, was it in the New York Times or something, where they talk about now people have that um, a lot of people are. Uh, scared to go out. It's they, they cave in. Mm-hmm. They, they're in, they're in their caves. Yeah. Um, so people are afraid to like re socialize with people, even now, even those who are vaccinated. Yeah. Cause it is quite like different a year later, yeah. a year and a bit later to, exactly. you know, it feels like there's yeah. still so many germs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like strangers being super new. Honestly, even people that I'm acquainted with, but haven't seen in a long time. You know, you still have that thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Stranger danger has a completely different meaning now. Oh my gosh. So true. <laughs> All right. We've completely made off topic. Thanks for the I know. updates from South Africa. And you're welcome for my updates from Canada. But today, in the world of Grey's Anatomy, we um, are going to talk about the changes that shape us. Right. Because, I mean, speaking, just looking at the last few seasons, and everything that's happened, everybody that has left, right? Like, it's yep. really great that Meredith is up and running again. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, remember Avery said to her, like, bye. And then she's like, I'm the only one left, right? I know. And so it had us thinking about all the different stages that you go through in life and how you're so deeply, usually, enmeshed with, like, a crew of people. You know, yeah. a, you identify as being a part of X group or Y group. And then... You look back, you know, once 10 years have gone by, and you've actually been a part of, like, a few different groups. Yeah, um, yeah. And you've changed so much, and you don't really know when the moment is that it happens, you know? You can yeah. think of pivotal moments, crisis moments, or, or things that mark, like, oh, I moved away. Okay, so, yeah, you had to, like, get new people or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting how 
what changes us and uh, how you don't realize it's changing you at the time. It's true, yeah. And I mean, I remember watching that episode and that very scene where Avery's, you know, sitting with her in the, mm-hmm. in the hospital room. And when she said that, that she's the only one left and mm-hmm. everyone has either left, um, has either yeah, left or died, I choked up because just thinking about her journey and how there's so many people that have left or died or there's been so many incidences. Um, I mean, she's, she, this is like not her first time um, in a life-threatening situation that she survived. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things that have shaped her. And mm-hmm. it was it was quite a moment um, to think that he's the last of that um, Mercy, that Seattle Grace Mercy West, Mercy West merger. Yeah. merger class and he's gone and she's by herself and she doesn't even have her husband or her sister um mm-hmm. well as in her other sister um, right. and it's just she her and has so many sisters at this point i remember when she does um, who's this derek's sister amelia remember she like yes, yes. Up and that's still something that i'm a little bit like question mark about because she, you know, late girl shepherd showed up <laughs> yeah. private practice, you know, out of nowhere. And then it's like, my sister is Meredith. And I was like, this is, this is a very fast, you know, like, why can't you just be sister-in-law? <laughs> like, Although, I think, be separate, but you know, what I mean? you know, what? I think it was also, cause I think when she first arrived, she didn't like Meredith. She wasn't yeah. happy with her at all. Mm-hmm. And I think what bonded her, maybe what bonded them was, you know, that, that deep sense of loss and, you know, Amelia realizing that it wasn't Meredith's fault. And, right. it, you know, they've both experienced this loss and that Meredith deeply loved her brother. Um, and I think, you know, when Amelia came, she was so sad by the fact that, like, she's lost her dad and now she's lost her big brother. And, you know, needing someone to blame or be angry with. Right. Um, so, I mean, I did, I, a part of me was a bit, when she did become like, Meredith's my sister, it was a mm-hmm. bit like, girl, you've got like three other sisters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, they make a bit more sense than uh, Maggie. And we'll have to have a second oh, Maggie absolutely episode. absolutely true. Because, you know, obvi- obviously we understand Lexi, you know. Yes. Um, and she came, and there was a build-up, right? Their relationship was like fully built. And then, yeah, Amelia makes sense because they did grieve together. The loss yeah. of Shepard and they are family. And, you know, her kids are her nieces. And nephews, yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Maggie really came out of left field for me. But anyway, uh, I don't want us to get back from um, yeah. the, <laughs> the topic at hand. So, yes, yeah, so this season was basically, I mean, obviously it had its issues. We spoke a little bit about that the last episode um, because of COVID-19. And yeah. uh, so they kind of, it was a season full of nostalgia, I feel like, right? Yeah. And yeah. there was um, the recognition of change both drastically, right? We saw what happened to the hospital with Corona and everything they had to change, but also like really incrementally, right? Because in yeah. her beach land, um, all the people she, who have left, right? Like visiting yeah. her. And it made us all like, oh, remember the times, you know? Yeah. Remember George? Ugh. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah. it was uh, really, that one moved me. I was so surprised how happy I was to see all the people from the past. And then because of all the sort of like, flashbacky things that made us think about like all the flashback episodes that Grace has had and essentially yeah. that's what we're going to do today just go over a few of those but before we get into that who do you miss the most that has left 
I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know, before this this season, this or let's say the last couple of episodes of season seventeen, my I, I would definitely say, oh gosh, I'm, I'm so I don't even want to commit, but I definitely miss Mark. There is a deep. I have a deep love for Mark. And I think, mm-hmm. like we said in the last episode, that I just will never get over how he died. Yeah. And that he died. I know. I know. <laughs> and I just loved his um, personality. And mm-hmm. he just grew on you. It was, you just... Yeah. And he came in sort of as like the the bad guy almost. Yeah. But it was and like then, loved him from the second he hit on me. Ex- <laughs> from the very so moment he first appeared. And you yeah. just... You're like, okay, I love this dirty, these dirty mistresses. And yeah. So I do, I really, really miss Mark. I also just miss the plastics posse. I loved his, his positivity. Oh, there was yes. something about him that was like positive and um, sometimes sad, but, mm-hmm. but I just, I miss Mark. And, and but of course I also, he was so necessary. And, but I also miss April, but I miss April and Jackson. So, yeah. so I, I missed her with Jackson and I also missed them not necessarily as a couple of course mm-hmm. I miss them as a couple but just their friendship and their you know relying on each other and I, I missed that so mm-hmm. so when he left Jackson at the end of this I I really felt that sense of oh, I missed them I'm, I really miss them and I know you said one and I'm here <laughs> at three <laughs> I mean it is there have been so many people so I was thinking Okay, you brought in Mark. He's dead. I was thinking more of people who just left, like as opposed to being right. off the show. Yeah. I guess then, if if I'm not thinking about dead people, I would just then add Christina. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I mean, she I was like a. Her, yeah. There's a couple of people that I'm like, oh man, they took. I just said people who left, but I'm thinking about Charles who was killed in the shooting oh, yeah. episode. And he had just begun to be interesting to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at first I was like, oh, boring white dude. You know? Like, yeah. very interesting, has just a crush on this. And it's weird because he had that big voice and was sort of tall, but then was all yeah. shy to, like, yeah. tell that tiny little girl that she likes him. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, damn, I, I miss him. And then And he'd also, just become likable, yeah. Exactly. Who, oh, man, this is bad. I don't have her name. We are the Grace Podcast, and I've completely forgotten... <laughs> Who is the intern? I think she became a resident before she left. Who She left for mental health reasons. Uh, she dated Jackson. He got up and proposed to April. Oh, oh yes. Um, oh, she was Joe's best friend. Exactly. Um, and I can see her. Stephanie. I know Jerrica Hinton is her real name. That's what's so weird. Like, <laughs> oh, Stephanie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, she was good. She was so good. I kind of she was. Stephanie was the Maggie of the show. I, <gasps> if that oh, makes sense, I kind of no. just maybe it's because I've watched Maggie for so long, and so much of the way her character has gone and been written has right. annoyed me. But yes. um, yeah. Anyway, now we're doing character studies instead of I know <laughs> talking about change. So, what would you say? I'll go after you. Yeah. What have been um like big immediate drastic changes that have like literally shaped your world like you were one way one time and then like everything was different okay um i I must say you know thinking about this 
I put it off for quite a couple of days just because I think I, there was a part of me that felt so scared to be vulnerable, even with myself about that. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, my life is big. And mm-hmm. just to look back on things and I was getting a bit emotional just thinking about it. But I, you know, for me, some of the big things, um, definitely when my dad remarried and that yeah. was when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just like at this big life stage and, you know, becoming a teenager and, you know, you know, trying to figure out high school. Um, mm-hmm. I was already in grade nine, but I just trying to figure out, you know, adolescence. Right. And then my dad introduced me to this, um, beautiful woman who, he, you know, the weekend I met her was the weekend they were telling me they were getting married. So, oh wow, it was it was pretty quick. I mean, it wasn't just quick for me. They they you know met each other and immediately knew, which oh, I mean I, I think is incredible. Um, but it was really quick. So it was this yeah. new, it was this additional thing for me to sort of process. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my parents had been divorced for years and years and years and years. I never mm-hmm. knew them married. You know, I don't have any memory of that. Oh, but, I see. But there was, it did, you know, it was a big thing in my mind about, you know, mm-hmm. my relationship with my dad was now going to be completely different. Um, you know, the, the time mm-hmm. we would spend together would no longer just be me and him. Mm-hmm. It would be, with someone else. Um, and that was like a big thing for me to, I remember it was a big thing for me to try and process. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the last time we ever, we would go to like this, a spa. It's like a a shop, like a shop, just a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We went to this, we would sometimes go to the spa, him and I to go get something. And I remember the last time we went and it was just the two of us. I'll never forget it. And knowing that I don't think we'll ever do this again, just the two of us. And it was just, it was like a drastic thing for me. And I think because of when it happened, you know, in Mm -hmm. in my life, that was a marker. So that was a big thing for me. And I mean, our our relationship, obviously the dynamic would also change and, you you know, going at go and, you know, visiting on weekends and Mm -hmm. it was just going to be different. Um, And it was, it just was different. And then of course his family grew and that would change the dynamic even more. So that was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, not in any bad way or anything. It was just a big change. Of course. I mean, you were so uh, young. It's interesting to think about, like when I was trying to answer this question, I could identify moments. And then I was like, is is it better to give an answer about a moment when I was unconscious at the time about it? You know what I mean? Because I was right. so or should I give a, a, like an answer closer to my adulthood, right? Where I'm like, I'm like, oh, this, this, I could feel myself, right? Like, right, move into yeah. a different space in the world. So I'll just give, try and be <laughs> quick and say a little bit of both, right? So, you know, I went to, I started going to boarding school when I was nine. Yes. Um, I was little. And so we lived in uh, Rwanda at the time. And then I started, I think, uh, in the fall, listen to me say fall again. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I love it. Yeah. At this point. In, the, in 1999, yeah, I went and I was, I was really little and, you know, I was a pretty confident kid and pretty happy. And this was sort of an exciting adventure for me. Of course, mm-hmm. now when I look back, I can see moments of like real struggle. Like it is not natural to be like cleaved from your family <laughs> and right. your community and just put somewhere else and, and landed with a bunch of people. But because it was the first time that I was in a non-homogenous space, 
you know, mm. meaning it was the first time I met people from even different countries in, in mm. Africa, you know, right. it was the yeah. first time I was in like a majority white space. Mm. Um, I didn't, but you know, it's obviously my socialization was different than say like other South African black folks who were there. Right. Cause yes, they yeah. already had the dynamic. I, I wasn't really like super intimidated, but, um, I, I then had to learn how to adapt, you know, and how to make mm. friends, uh, inorganically <laughs> to some extent, right? Mm. Because you've got to like make it happen. <laughs> um, and I don't remember exactly every little step, every little decision, you know, you're just a child, but for sure that really, really changed and shaped me because I, I could also feel it when I went back, how I was just a little bit more open. And I don't mean to say that in a way that is, that judges it more positively than being closed. Mm, or, you know, right. just not understanding or having like no desire to go seek out something different. Like, I think that sort of just happens to be how you are. But yeah, yeah. that having, you know, being dropped into a space where people were very different than me. It's the first time I met people who were Christian, you know, like I thought oh, everybody wow. was, you know, <laughs> before that time. <laughs> and like, or I thought like everybody was thinking about it, you know, because I was, right. you know, in church every so you have to, so I thought everybody was somewhere getting proselytized to, you know, and was making right. the decision. And then I met like, a Muslim girl who's just like, no, nah, just me, you know. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, so that definitely shaped me in the sense of I became, I was always quite curious, but I I just became receptive to answers that I didn't necessarily understand, I think. Mm. And, and primarily probably because of survival. Like I had to accept it to get along because I was going to be here for the next three months, right? I don't mm. know if I could retreat back to my home if I would have been as accepting about it. Um, sure. And then... Uh, I guess an obvious one. It's really I was trying not to have to give this answer <laughs> mm. because, as you said, it's so uh, you know, here's the thing. Yeah, but definitely my dad. Like when he was mm. killed. I mean, it's such a specific before and after. Yeah. Uh, oh, we might want to give. I guess I don't know. Do we give trigger warnings for um, like discussion of? I won't get too into it, so it's fine. I'm sorry to anyone who wasn't expecting like mention of murder. In the middle right. of your Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it had a lot of obviously grief is a process, you know. Mm, and it t- yeah. took me, it's taken me to so many different places. I still learn from it every day, every single mm. day. Um, but that is, in terms of just worldview, you know, um, mm. is is like the marker of like my life before and my life and after. after. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I would say, I guess, just what's coming up now is that it, it really made me feel like, oh, the world is actually chaos. You know, sure. at the time, yeah. I I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it just felt mm-hmm. like very um, dark. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, because before then, I'd had this like faith that everything was always going to work out. So to mm-hmm. give a quick summary for people. Like, um, my dad was a dissident, uh, from the Rwandan government and then like ran away, was in exile and then he was eventually assassinated. So for a long period of time, there was that like sense of being hunted, you know, in a way. But in my, I just thought we got away. We'll be fine. Like my dad's going to get old. We're going to survive. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not going to get bad. You know, old yeah, you would us. never imagine it. I, yeah. yeah, I just wouldn't. And part of me also thought like, if my dad died, because we really close. I was just like, I think I will spontaneously combust. I don't really have to consider. What life will be, <laughs> you know. There would world, be no after. There would be no after, exactly. Mm. And so I remember just being like, oh, okay, the world is just chaos and nothing actually mm. matters because like 
my mom prayed super hard. So many mm. people were helping us. And this like really awful thing still happened, you know? Yeah. Now I'm at a place where I'm like, that may be true, but you, if you're to the extent you're still here, like you have power, you have choices, like you can mm. make the best of the life that you've got. Like it's, you know, true, it's yeah. not just, it doesn't like maybe sure there's a lot you can control, but it's not so chaotic that you can't control what you can control actually, you know, yeah. and, good, and good things still happen, right? Like here we are talking on the phone. I love my experience of our friendship, you know, yeah. I'm not about to just be like, oh, chaos, the end, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it took a while, to, like this friendship isn't guaranteed, I quit anyway, you know, so it took, it took a while to get there, but definitely big, 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 big uh, moment as well. Um, yeah. And I had also like a, a big, like a big death one, but it yeah. wasn't, I mean, mine was completely different in that, uh, you know, it's, it was my gran and she was old and, yeah. um, you know, you know, old people get to a certain stage where, okay, they've lived and yeah. it's okay that they're dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I remember it was my, I was in the trick with grade 12 and we, it was in my finals during my final exams. And no one told me that she died. So I wrote my first couple of exams and I'm still asking. My mom had gone down to Durban, um, to, you know, the family. Mm-hmm. And I was now staying with my dad, um, during this time because I knew, um, that my gran was sick. So I'm still asking my dad, like how, how my gran is. I'm calling my mom and asking how everything's going. Um, Meanwhile, I don't know that she's already passed and the, oh. they hadn't told me because I've got all of these, you know, final mm-hmm. exams to write. So they don't want me to think about it. And then mm-hmm. I had a lull between, I'm trying to think which exam, I think it was between, I don't know, science or something and my history exam. It was going to be a week before I was going to need to write history oh and it was now time for the funeral. So they had to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I remember the moments I was what I was in my room in my dad's house and watching Alicia Keys no one was on uh MTV or something yeah. and I'm watching this and my dad walks in and he tells me and I you know that the, I remember the before because I knew exactly what I was doing yeah yeah and afterwards he was like you know he said this is what's happened um we have to pack you up and you, you aren't, you were taking, I have to take you to the airport because you have to fly to Durban because the funeral is happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. Like it happened so quickly for me. And I, I was like, what? Whoa. And I still only found out when she died, the day of the funeral, looking at the program and seeing the dates. <sighs> and we were in November and the date of her death was in October. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, that's really a lot. I mean, it was a lot for me at 17, um, but I get, I got it. I really did get it. I, did, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't angry. I was just very sad that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you know, she was older, so you expected was, it on some level. You, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't think that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I genuinely thought, because I mean, my grand had been sick before, so I just thought, oh, you know, she'll be fine after this. So I was devastated, and and it wasn't just me. I mean, my whole family was devastated. She was one of, you know, she was like our favorite person, and we'd all yeah. go and gather at her house for Christmases, and and you know, yeah. truthfully, my family's just never been the same again. Just never, oh. ever, ever been the same. Yeah. And um, you know, a year afterwards, my uncle passed, um, mm-hmm. her youngest son, and. You know, it just, it was another devastating blow. And 
I don't know that we fully recovered um, as a so, cell. Like, it I just yeah. changes everything, you know. Yes, I think that's probably one of the, it, to the extent like drastic changes happen, you know, in people's lives, death is probably the most common one that yeah. changes how people see the world or what the, yeah. they, what their experience of life actually feels like, you know. Uh, yeah, it changes like family dynamics so yeah. completely. I, oh, and it brings up stuff too. Like It does, yeah. Speaking of that, yeah, because I used to think I didn't have like mommy issues, <laughs> like that. that my, like I used to almost think my my relationship with my mother was just neutral, and my, right. my relationship with my father was close. And his death really, like, you know, now she's my only living parent, so like we are mm. face to face, and it's like, oh man, there is a lot here, you know. Yeah. And we just left, and it also mm. because I guess having someone in your life whose life is hanging in the back okay so for me it was like being chased by like <laughs> yeah like that was awesome. it's a bit different but i imagine even when there's like chronic illness or something when there's a family member who is in it you know quote unquote imminent danger right or about, yeah. it pulls a lot of focus you know so yes, yeah. everybody's just lying in wait until that big scary you know is over and so you right. don't deal with the stuff that's like is here and now in your in your other relationships, right? Absolutely. Um, and the other question we ha- I had down for you was: um, Are there any more subtle, like tiny incremental changes that, looking back now, you're like, oh, actually, this had a big effect on my life? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say one last big thing, and okay. it's more of a positive one. Like, okay. it is objectively positive in my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's honestly meeting my boyfriend. Like, I, no, like truly, you know, it was actually the first thing I wrote down. It was a moment I didn't, it was one of those where I didn't know it was going to change me forever. Mm. I had no idea when I first met him that this person is going to completely change my world. We, you know, I, you know, I got to be involved more in, in our church worship team because, mm-hmm. of him, because he's like, he's the worship leader mm-hmm. um, at the time. And, you know, I got to also write music with him, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know where else I would have been able to do that. And it was just this amazing experience. Um, oh, wow. and just also dream about music and even mm-hmm. a career in music, which was mm-hmm. this thing I'd always wanted for so long. Mm-hmm. But like for me, I guess more long lastingly was, you know, meeting someone that would be my life's best friend mm. and just like my, you know, my love, like, you know, just to open up my yeah. heart and my mind in a way that it never yeah, I'll do that to you. You know, and I just, I think that was just subjectively like a really big thing and that still continues to change my life all the time. I, um, yeah. I mean, it's like always unfolding. That's big, but it's also kind of subtle because what you spoke about was exactly, like meeting yeah. your boyfriend. Same with all big friendships. You know what I mean? Or big, yeah, yeah you never know. Like, you just, it's just whatever. And then you hang out more and more. And then later you're like, I have that with Ivania. You know, this is my best friend. Yes. It's like, I cannot even, I don't even like to consider who, what life would have been like had I not had this anchor of a friendship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a different answer though? Um, well, no, I mean, for smaller things, I guess definitely like moving to Cape Town to go study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was 
small in the sense that like, obviously I was moving to a different province and city by myself. Right. Um, but many people do it all the time. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it also didn't feel like this big thing, mm-hmm. but there was none of my friends were go- going to study in Cape Town. So it was for me, I was the most excited person. I'm not going to lie. To just start completely afresh. No one, yeah. no one here is someone I know. And I just was so excited about that and making new friends. And I did, I made these new, um, formed these new relationships and um, even studying law. I don't even know if it's a big or a little thing, but it is something that completely changed me. Um, it's this thing the, now that yeah. is a part of me. I was going to say, I think those things of by yourself are important subtle changes that, you know, shape your life in the sense of yeah. moving to a new place by yourself or when you first live alone or even yeah. when you first get a car and you just ride somewhere by yourself. I know. I think it's like the beginnings of, of being like, oh, I'm, I can like be in charge of my life, you know, and take yeah. myself where I want to go and not just follow cues, do what you think you're supposed to do. Um, yeah. And it's so funny you mentioned the driving the car, you know, yeah, sometimes that's I still like... Yeah. No, for me too, because sometimes I drive around and I'll have a moment where I'm like, oh my word, I cannot believe that I learned how to drive and I do this now. <laughs> oh my God. So I so have that feeling as well. And I don't have a car anymore at all. Maybe I will again one day. But yeah. sometimes I've rented a car and yeah. it'll, everything that's, it, it'll feel very adult to me. I'm like, look at these grown ass people giving me keys <laughs> to a vehicle that they're just going to let me drive around town. You know, like I know what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> And it's a marker. It's like a marker of adulthood. So it is like yeah, a, exactly. It's a big small thing. It's you it know, is, it's, it's a big small thing. It's true. Um, yeah. What I was gonna say was learning Spanish. So oh wow, yeah. So in grade ten, I had to take. You know, you choose your subjects. Yes. And then I was already good at French. You know, if you're a one, then you have like a basic level of French. And French is very in a lot of Francophone Africa. You know what I mean? It's just yes. it's been around. And I have a faculty for like learning languages, I felt. So I was like, I want to take Spanish. It's similar. Also, to be honest, I was like, I think I can get A's, you know, it, it would just be fun. Right. right. Um, and it was my extra subject, right. To be like impressive on the resume. Like I didn't take the minimum <laughs> requirements. Right. And then I just fell in love with it. I mean, a lot of it had um, to do with the teacher as well. Mrs. Buckley. I remember she was very eccentric. I remember one time she had like a spider bite and then she told me, in too much detail how she had to go to the doctor and like <laughs> scrape it out of her leg. It was very, very unnecessary. But she encouraged, there was this exchange program that she encouraged the people to do. Uh, you go to Argentina, right? Yes. Anyway, so I learned it. I was good at it. I, when I was 15, my parents let me go and exchange. And I went to this tiny town called Las Verichas in Cordoba in Argentina. And it was the first time where I was in a place where None of them really spoke English. It was so fun, but they really made so much effort to like help me to understand. So uh, I learned very quickly in that context, right? Because you don't have a choice. Yeah. But let me tell you, and I mean, many people have said this. This isn't like novel. Like we know this because most of us on the continent are like quadrilingual or something. Right? Yes, but because yeah. it happens, because it's your natural world, you sort of like don't think a big deal about it. And also you're in a very similar cultural setting. So I, I don't think we think enough about how like just learning the language, a different language literally opens up a whole new world for you, you know? And so now I just have this extra thing. Like I can, and I can communicate with these people that I would otherwise never be able to, <laughs> you know, to understand <laughs> and think that I was hyper different from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Spanish is, you know, I, I don't know what the stat is. I think it's like the second, maybe the third most spoken language in the world or something, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so, yeah, like there's a whole, I can read books, you know, I can, like, oh my word. And I like watch Spanish shows. I mean, I'm not like, there's like telenovelas. Oh no, I don't watch telenovelas, but there's a great show on Netflix okay. Casa de las Flores, which is hilarious. It is like a telenovela, but less, uh, no, it's actually very dramatic, but it's, a, okay. it's like short and funny. It's not like, it's not like a soapy. It's like a dramatic drama. and it plays it for comedy. It, it's not okay. a yeah, It doesn't pretend that this drama is like deep and real and wants you to like go along with the ride. You know what I mean? It's not shock value. It's just really great. Um, but I would say that that's something that feels small, right? But actually makes my world so much bigger than it would yes, otherwise have yeah. been, you know? Um, yeah. Wow, we really went into that. Uh, so, flashbacks. <laughs> right. So, we did some homework. We were like, what are the best flashback episodes? Which ones do we want to look into? Um, and so, I watched uh, season 6, episode 15, Time War. And also, season 16, episode 8, which is called My Shot. Time War is that one where they're doing the lecture series, remember? Yes. Yes, and then... Callie was working on that uh, person who had, uh, I think it was scoliosis. I remembered it and then I completely forgot. But we find out she had hooked up with Alex. I remember being like, what? And then, <laughs> and then um, the chief as well. Uh, remember he had gone to rehab and he came back and he wanted his job back. And yes. Derek was like, yeah, you can come back as a resident. That was the thing. And he was like, uh-huh, absolutely never. And then Derek was like, all right, well, if you're about to quit, like I'm doing, we, I brought back the lecture day. So yes. you want to um, give a last, you know, give one last lecture. And man, did the chief knock it right out of the park. The storyline they had was about the beginning of the HIV crisis. And we get to see him and young Ellis, who was played by a true queen, Sarah Paulson. You and I both love her. She's a like true queen. Baby. Yeah. She's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. She's definitely, I love Sarah Paulson. She's just so good. And she played Ellis so well. Oh man, they told that story really nicely. I loved it. Which ones did you see? Oh, wait, sorry. What about your other one? Yes, the other one was, remember when Meredith had to pick up trash? <laughs> like, oh, yes. Would she? Yes. Insurance fraud. Okay, here's the thing. I'm very, and then it was the one where she was at her hearing. And it was amazing because all these people showed up for her and spoke up for yes. her. And it was moving. But there was so much in that episode that is like borderline <gasps> dramatic. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bit where Bailey essentially, uh, when she's being questioned, is like, put that girl in jail. <laughs> Enjoy everything she has because she's really, really mad, you know? And then the chief is like, oh, you need to stand up or me, whatever. And um, she gives this whole, like, rousing speech, you know, at the end yeah. to say, like, no, don't take away her license because she's actually an incredible doctor. She goes far away and beyond or whatever. And yeah. despite everything she's been through, she has, um, she, she hasn't become hard. She still offers this, like, care-centered, I mean, love-centered care, you know, to yeah. patients. And I'm so conflicted about it. I agree, but I also agree with, you know, Bailey's first approach, you know, because at some point they list everything Meredith has done. <laughs> Mess you know, trial. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Sorry, Look, I agree because, sorry, um, I was going to say, I actually just watched, um, as part of my rewatch this, uh, 
episode in in season three where Izzy, because you remember, I mean, Izzy would, would be so involved with these patients' oh, lives. Right. Yeah. Um, and she, there was a uh, the the teenage girl who had. I'm also going to say scoliosis. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Ooh. she was basically at a 90 degree angle. Um, she was like bent over and she needed, mm-hmm. well, De- well, Kelly convinced Derek to perform a surgery um, where he was going to take out uh, parts of uh, vertebrae in her spine mm-hmm. and then replace with a titan- titanium rod so that she would, you know, yes. stand up straight. And the insurance wasn't going to pay for it. So then Izzy, uh, you know, overheard the mom on the phones shouting at the insurance people saying they're not going to pay. And she then took from her eight and eight point whatever million um, dollar check that she got from Denny, she took 300K and, you know, donated it for this girl to have the surgery. And watching it, I, you know, Bailey said, you know, please don't tell me you, you paid for this girl's surgery to, 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 to um, scrub in on a surgery. And, She's like, no, I did it because she, you know, she's been suffering and blah, blah, blah. And Bailey's like, no, I wish you just said it was just to scrub in. Because again, she's getting too involved in these people's lives. And I feel like what Meredith did was sort of take over that role that, you know, Izzy had for a while of being so involved and so deeply mm-hmm. concerned about and of course we want our doctors to be concerned about us but then there's that extra part where they're, where they're committing insurance fraud or like donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for our surgeries um, as opposed to making a surgery pro, pro bono which is you know a different is another option um, it's great but there's also mm-hmm. recklessness and yeah. how do you choose how do you choose who to pay for who deserves it more and that morality thing but then there's also you can't you're the doctor and you can't you're not just a charity you can't you have to be separate from the patient to be able to give the best quality health care so yeah i'm i'm a bit on the fence with that i completely understood where Bailey came from but of course i'm like meredith please don't lose your license because you're such an incredible surgeon and you've got mm-hmm. the Harper avery and you know it's it's all of those things where maybe we're just so entrenched in these people's lives that of course we want them to still win even though it isn't yeah. conflicting i mean that's the thing is that like you watch it you buy into the world we sit here and we talk we get into serious criticisms and then there's a part of me that always feels like ah at the end of the day it's a television show right it feels like yeah. they do that all the time like they'll be like we are talking about real issues but also here's a ridiculous fantasy because the other thing too that was in the middle of um that episode was so for the high drama while she's at the trial or whatever it is it wasn't a trial a, a hearing for yeah. um one of the people on the panel is the doctor who killed quote-unquote Derek yes and so obviously you know how Grace does that you know like remember in the beginning too whenever like it'd be like a patient and then it would be like someone's mom you know yes. or someone like suddenly and then it'd be like uh-uh, you know like what's gonna happen now both I mean they did that to Meredith so many times <laughs> yes, it would always be her yeah, sister or her dad. Or exactly. I was like, how's everybody in Seattle related to Meredith <laughs> getting sick, you know? Like, but anyway, the, uh, so one of the panelists is the, the doctor who she says, he killed my husband. And then, you know, yes. she yells at him and he has a seizure. Yes. He goes to the hospital. It's so dramatic because Amelia, 
Pat is like calls in Karasik to be like, you have to operate because this is the dude. I can't do it. And he was like, I'm ready to scrub it. Of course, in his classic Karasik way, he, he was like, oh, so you're not up to it today, huh? <laughs> Lesser neurosurgeon. <laughs> Just like, not as good as and me. And everyone's like, this is not the time, Tom, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then he died. And when they come back to get the results of the hearing, Meredith and Lexi, I mean, not Lexi, Amelia sort of have this exchange where she's like, Meredith's like, I really feel bad. And Lexi's like, yeah, you shouldn't. Like, blood pressure got him. And they sort of like, I'm joyful. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, y'all, this whole situation has more nuance than this, right? Yes. And it's kind of ironic because here you are trying to get your medical license because you went above it. You didn't know anything about, okay, fine. She was in there because she committed insurance for her first small child. So to be fair, <laughs> that child probably had not done anything wrong in their life before. Do you know what I mean? Yes, but like, yeah. all these people you took care of, you had so much empathy for them, right? But yeah. because of this one person's perceived wrong, zero empathy at their death. Meanwhile, she stood up and she was like, these are the names of all the spouses of patients I've lost, you know, I remember. Yeah. But here comes, you know, and you're mad because he was, you know, he could have saved a family member of yours. But does he have family? Did you find out about his wife and kids? Do you, right. you know what I mean? And yeah, he didn't, relative to you, he didn't do something great. So it's this, it's this really, it, it gets always sort of finicky when we're bringing like morals, you know what I mean? Like, and judgment about doing the right thing. And they play on that line of what's the right thing to do. You know, like one of the episodes I found really moving was, remember when there was a school shooter? Yes. And his mom came to the hospital and she was just like, they're saying my son did this. I don't understand. And yeah. Jackson dealt with it. And that was, I'm like, yes, here is the pay point. You know what I mean? Like all these yeah. people we call monsters have people, you know, yes. who, who love them. And so I just find it weird. It really, I was, when I was watching it a second time, of course I was like, yay, go Meredith stay a surgeon but i was like y'all <laughs> and but i guess isn't that also one of the reasons we love the show because oh, yeah. one of the things they do is show us that life is gray that it's not black and white oh, there's so much new, new science <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's, there's so much nuance and um and i mean it's one of the things i learned um in a sense you know losing different friends um over i guess my uh, early 20s and middle mm -hmm. 20s it just you know realizing life isn't black and white it, there's so much nuance there is that like um this person who you, you you're you're supposed to be a healer and have empathy, right. you have this empathy and all but you also have this deep sense of loss that you feel this other person caused and you do feel sort of i guess um what's the word yeah. uh, not avenged but you know there's a sense of Balance, vindication. vindication exactly yeah. and it is that gray the gray um yeah and it, really holding that um and it's not necessarily wrong or right um because right. Well, we could imagine like, if we were in that position mm -hmm. we would maybe feel like that it's also it's not so much wrong or right as like what is true for the person yes. of the and i agreed with i mean i guess when you put it in that context Specifically, Amelia and Meredith being somewhat gleeful, yeah, isn't isn't that wild, right? I, mm. I it to me, it's more the irony and the juxtaposition of yes. that with yes. this being in the hearing, like really celebrating how she goes above and beyond yeah. to help her patients because that man became a patient, 
right? Yeah. In the hospital. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Maybe if they had shown us Karasik, he would be loved. Or not, though, because everybody in the hospital is like on site with them. I mean, you're right. It's not, <laughs> it's not that um, easy to, to figure out, you know, what yeah. you should do. Um, so the one I did was episode season three, episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, the time has come today. So this is right after the big prom episode and Denny has just died. Uh, yeah. And Izzy is lying on the floor and she in the bathroom, still in her prom dress, and she won't get out. And the different interns are going in and out trying to convince her to change. And we, what happens is we see Izzy flashing back to when she first met Alex at the intern mixer. And you, you're seeing how that sort of relationship began. And um, later on, we see Meredith is, she goes home mm-hmm. um, to be with Izzy. And at some stage, you see her flashback to when she was on a, a carousel as a, as a child while her mom, um, well, you know, while Ellis is busy fighting with Richard and they're arguing because Ellis has told Richard, you have yes. to leave your wife. You, yes. I've left, I've left Thatcher. You have to leave a doll. Mm-hmm. And so we can be together. And he says to her, I can't. And mm-hmm. they're busy arguing, um, about that. And then later on, uh, you see Addison struggling because she's just found, uh, the black panties that, <laughs> <laughs> that's Derek had in his pocket. Oh, that hit me. And when the books come up, they came out like in 20, 2000. I was still in my teens, I think, or like in my early 20s. And I just yes. remember that being the most scandalous thing. It was. I was just like, how could this happen? You know? <gasps> and this woman is just, she's still in the midst of like processing it. And she flashes back to when she, they were in New York. And Derek has just found her worth Mark. And he is so angry that he throws her out of the house and it's raining. And he throws all of her clothes out. And she's outside begging that he would speak to her. Oh and gosh. he opens the door. And he, she's like, please, please, can we speak? And she just says, I'm leaving. And he, and he leaves her there. And, and I think she realizes that that was actually the moment her marriage ended. And... All of this other stuff was just a prolonging. Um, and then I think it's George who flashes back to meeting Izzy. Oh, he, meet, he flashes back to meeting Meredith at the mixer. Oh, um, yes, when they first all arrived. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and then Christina flashes back to, to meeting Burke for the first time. And of course, I mean, Burke has just been shot. So this for her is oh, like. Oh, yes. You know, she's, she's meeting him and he's speaking to some, well, he's actually sitting down with some lady and mm-hmm. she's interacting because of course, Christina time is always the most important. And she's of just course. talking about how she really admires him and all of that. <laughs> and, um, of course, um, Derek, he flashes back to the first time he makes Meredith at the bar. Yeah. Which is such a great scene because we watch the first two seasons not knowing, not having seen how they met. We just yes. saw it of it and to actually see you know this is where they, their relationship began and you know i mean juxtaposing that with me addison is seeing where her marriage ended and him seeing mm-hmm. where this new thing began you know um, just, uh, picking up now is wow they really did a good job of uh what do you call it threading the needle um in terms of even in the flashbacks, uh, mm. uh, in the early seasons anyway, 
uh, because in the time warp episode in season six, like you're talking about the beginning of season one when they're showing the chief and uh, Ellis fighting, right? Yes. About like leave your wife. And so in his section of the lecture in the flashback to them and um, dealing with HIV, you see the beginning of their affair and they right. take it over time. So you see it going on, right? And there yeah. is a part when they're going in to help this patient because everybody else in the hospital is like an asshole who's super afraid of catching it from mm-hmm. the air. And they only will let the woman and the black guy, they're like, whatever, do what you want. Of course, <laughs> expendables. They're like, yeah, exactly. Woman, black guy, go to the gay person. You know? <laughs> you all can like be, you know, like less than us together or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, he she says the same thing. She's like, we can leave them. Like, and and you know, I I used to think of the chief like kind of a coward. You know what I mean? Right. Like not willing, but at the same time, now he really had a dedication to Adele, yeah. and I don't think it is like divorced from you know culture. You know, like his blackness yes. really. You know what yes. I mean? Because they didn't do that like that, you know, at the time. And I was, and now I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, you writers were good at putting, like, even these subtle things in context, you know, at the yes. time. And he really and, didn't leave her yeah. until the end. He really did And he was and never going to. He's he was never time, going to, you know, like yeah, and he was just truly committed. And I mean, yeah. even in this this episode, you speak about Adele, and she mm-hmm. she says she she gives an ultimatum mm-hmm. to say you have to retire, and she talks about how I I've been waiting for years, for years you've been operating, for years you've not mm-hmm. um, come home, and even when you were having your affair mm-hmm. with um with that woman who drove you to drink. I waited. Yeah. Um, and he realizes that, oh my word, he didn't, he thought she never knew. And she knew the whole time. And actually, and she stayed with him. And that's the thing that the drinking is something we discover in season six, episode 15, because he didn't drink. And then yes. they lose their patient, they go to the bar and she says, like, get him something strong. And he's like, I don't like how it tastes. And then she's like, stop being a child, basically. Mm-hmm. So she is really what drove him to drink truly truly how connected those two episodes are actually yeah i know and they're both flashbacks look at at both flashbacks like we've done this but did we though you know i think we and we didn't because i wasn't supposed to watch this one exactly (laughs) but look how it all like uh matches up and there's an example of a subtle I mean, he had that one drink, yeah. you know, after a hard day, like not even like out of the ordinary, you know, it didn't like come and hit him like a bus, you know? And then look, years later, it's what has him on a stage having lost his job, remembering back to that moment. Even the, you know, the just him not in my episode, not going with Ellis, it completely rocked her to the, to the point where she couldn't mm. even connect with her daughter. She just couldn't connect with this girl who mm. she in her mind thinks if it wasn't for Meredith, mm-hmm. Richard would have stayed with her. She has yep. it somewhere in her mind. Um, and she just, it completely changed her life and changed Meredith's life. Um, the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. Ellis would even leave Thatcher for Richard. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I guess, is a big one um, rather than a more subtle one. That's, yeah, those are my, that's, those are Ooh. the flashback ones. Um, and I guess just to, you know, close it off talking about the beach and, you know, mm-hmm. season 17, the season was so nostalgic. And I think, you know, so many of the later seasons were actually leading to this, these moments on the beach mm-hmm. where, you know, between life and death and this choice that she's had to make so many times um, in those life and death situations. And 
you know, be, wanting to be with Derek, beckoning her mm-hmm. and choosing not to be with him because she's, you know, finally chosen life. Mm-hmm. But just to have that experience of being with her, her love um, yeah. and eventually being able to even, you know, touch and feel and breathe him in mm-hmm. and have, you know, the, the wedding they never had. And, uh, you know, have closure with George because they never had that. And even with Mark and Lexi to see them together, um, and all these people that have had such a huge impact on her, on her life, um, to have that, that closure mm. is just something like, I mean, something we don't always have. Um, yeah. and even Andrew, Andrew, she had closure with. Him. Oh, yes, Delita. Um, oh man. Andrew has really, he really <laughs> got the short end of the stick, man. Really did. Because actually, now that you speak about him, I remember at the end of the hearing episode, he breaks up with Meredith because mm. he's basically like, you're never going to love me like you love Derek. I mean, I'm really super paraphrasing here, but. Mm. And you like, don't see me. Yeah. He was like, you don't, you, you must wonder on some level, like, am I on your level? Because of the mm. way she reacted to the guy who killed her husband. And the, yes. the level of emotionality and stuff. Decide what you want. Like, basically, because, like, I know I'm a boy toy. Like, you don't take this seriously. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's good for her to have that closure. And it seemed like it he was. Oh, and to see him with his mom. Like, to see him right with now. his mom. Yeah. It really, it was just beautiful to see him have that closure, especially because of what they did to him in the, you know, those last two seasons. Mm. Sorry, I'm not okay with it. But I it just, I was happy for him as the character and, and for Meredith to, to be able to sort of experience that in mm-hmm. the, at the beach, even though she wasn't experiencing it consciously. There, there was a point at which I was like, oh, I'm a bit over this. But <laughs> looking back and especially that last episode with Derek, I just, it was this weaving of the story mm. of her life so long with these people that have died and truly you know she's left here without them mm. but she you know even when she was speaking to Avery in that moment she was okay she was sad she, but she was okay she was sad but she was okay and I, I just even you know having this discussion where you know I find myself as well you know there's a lot of things where I'm like that have happened in life and I'm like you know I'm okay I made mm. it through I've survived I've, I'm good you know What's interesting that's coming to me now, you know how at the beach Derek says, like she talks about the kids basically, you know? Yes. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go back because I'm mm. not done with the kids. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, like, as tired as she like, is. As tired as she is. And um, in the Time Warp episode, Ellis, when he, she's telling uh, Richard, right? Because remember Meredith comes to the hospital with stature and she's like, oh my God, like I have to go and do surgery. Like, why did you bring the girl? You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. And Richard sees Meredith and obviously he's wrapped with guilt. And yeah. they're scrubbing to go into the OR and he's like, we have to stop what we're doing. And then she says, no, we should leave them, right? She's like, our marriages are the lie, not us, you know? We should leave them, leave Adele, I'll leave Thatcher. And of course, he says, no, 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 I can't do that. And then he says, like, you have a daughter, you have to think about Meredith. And she gets mad. And she's like, you're like the rest of them, you have a different skin color, right? But you're like, yes, (laughs) it's the same. But then here's the thing. She says, "Um, I gave birth to a child, Richard, that makes me a mother. It doesn't make me inept. It doesn't make me less of a woman. It doesn't make me less of a surgeon, no matter how much everyone wants it to. Mm. And I'm just looking now at the juxtaposition of Ellis in that moment and uh, Meredith at the beach, right? She feels like, 
people want her to be one thing, Ellis, you know? She's always frustrated because she can't reconcile any of it. Her surgeonness, her womanness, her motherness, you know? Mm. And Meredith has. You know, she has, and that's yeah. kind of beautiful. And I mean, the whole story of Meredith is how she's like basically healing her trauma, you know, absolutely, her stuff from her mother. yeah. And so it's interesting just talking about these two episodes to sort of I can I can see that I really think it's a full picture. Like I would say that Meredith has been successful because she's not absolutely. less of a surgeon, she's not less of a woman. You know, she did have her boyfriends, you know, Andrew and then, yeah. um, after Derek. She's not less of a mother at all, you know, and she doesn't mm. feel threatened by anything you know and yeah um, yeah it's great and she on purpose chose her children in a way that ellis didn't ellis felt like it happened to her um where you know meredith decided she made that decision too Mm -hmm. and and i think it is like you say a big part of her healing her trauma and Mm -hmm. and becoming you know the mom she never had and Mm -hmm. truly just you know, finally not being all dark and twisty and yeah. finally being that someone who is okay to thrive and right. okay to be an incredible surgeon and an incredible mother mm-hmm. and, you know, um, mm-hmm. dating and mm-hmm. it's just a great friend and, 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 mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, having that more abundant view that her mom right. just didn't have. And building her huge family that's all quirky <laughs> with yeah. her collected sisters as much as we were being like <laughs> shitty about it in the beginning. But anyway, how were you going to end this off today? You said you found a great quote. It's actually, so it's not necessarily related at all, but I, I was <laughs> watching one of the, you know, the all the episodes and Christina said, to, said this to Meredith. I actually just can't even remember the context mm-hmm. um i think it was when meredith had the two boyfriends which was dating finn and derek oh yeah um and oh yes and she had that dream about being with both of them uh-huh. and christina <laughs> looks at her and says just when i think you're boring you realize <laughs> oh man christina we should just end every time with christina quotes we should just find them they're all over the internet she said my favorite christina quote to date and i have felt this way when i am deeply emotional and weeping. Remember when she asked somebody to sedate her? Yes. <laughs> that made me so happy. Ooh. Well, this was great, Nomsa. I can't wait for our little chit-chat next week. Me too. I'm very excited. It's going to be, um, I think, maybe not as uh, deep as no. this. We're switching um, it up. Lots of fun up ahead. But um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. Yes. And thanks, for, thanks for the chat, Porsche. You're most welcome. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Assume It Will Be Brilliant Pod. And if you have any queries, questions, or comments, please email us at Assume It Will Be Brilliant at gmail.com. And remember, step out into the unknown, assuming it will be brilliant.